Welcome back, MTN Giants podcast. The Giants lose a game that they had to win. I mean, we pretty much all knew that. Not only was it, you know, just a loss, but they lost 24-3. So, just a disgusting game to watch overall. It had bad vibes from the first drive when they didn't get the fourth down. They go for the sneak and don't get it. Um... And the worst part is, I mean, yeah, the Giants have injuries too, of course, but Seattle has so many injuries. Um, Jamal Adams left on the first drive. And Seattle kept giving the Giants chance after chance after chance to get into this game. And the Giants were just like, nah, nah, we're good. Like, you think about the Myers missed field goal. There was a fourth down, on, I think, their first drive in the third quarter, Seattle. It was the ball off uh, Charbonnet. Good defense by Mike and McFadden. You get the ball back. You get down to the Seahawks, like, five-yard line. Daniel Jones, you know, gets picked off by the rookie Witherspoon, who read the play all the way, probably could have hit Waller in the back of the end zone, and that gets taken back and makes it 21-3, and that was all she wrote. So a frustrating way to lose, and it's the second day of October, and it just feels like the season's over. Like, we know what's coming up next. You have... Miami, you have Buffalo. I don't unless there's a miracle. It's look, it's you know, it's the NFL. Stuff happens. That's crazy, but barring some miracle, the Giants will probably be one in five. And when you get to that point, it's, it's all but over. Like if they somehow, you know, make the playoffs from here, I'll gladly eat crow about that. But like the way they're playing right now, like how can you expect this team to make the playoffs? The NFC is not even like that bad this year. I assumed coming into this season the NFC would be pretty trash, but the teams in our division have two wins, three wins. Eagles are undefeated. Um, Washington gave them a good fight, so they might not be as bad as we had thought originally. Um, but yeah, it's just like you look at this game from a macro level, basically. It's like you wanted to run it back. You bought into last year thought it was a real thing it turns out it was kind of a fluky season and people like myself who are labeled as negative were were more in favor of wanting to rebuild and like this is kind of what I was afraid of well not kind of this is very much what I was afraid of how you know you play tougher opponents you lose a lot of games out the gate you overpay a mediocre quarterback bring back Barkley which one year deal whatever it's fine but now he's hurt and once again, every bounce is not going the Giants' way. It went their way last year, but everything that can go wrong this year is going wrong. So that's just pretty much how it's been so far. And I don't see how it gets much better. I mentioned the opponents coming up soon. Even Buffalo and Miami are followed by Washington, and they've looked kind of good this year. They looked terrible in that one game against Buffalo. But aside from that, they started out 2-0. They easily could have beat Philly yesterday, but Ron Rivera wanted to just play for overtime and not for the win don't know why but anyway yeah it, it could get rough this season could get to a point where you start trading the veteran assets you know trading Leonard Williams Adoree Jackson whoever you can get some type of draft capital for and that's probably the right thing to do I mean this team should head in a real rebuild and it sucks that now we have this Jones contract attached to us because that would have been cap space we could have used on other positions like the offensive line um which we'll get to i know i'm kind of going on a whole you know tangent here in the first part of this video but anyway we'll get into it hope you all enjoy leave a like and 
Let's get into it. Before the game, you, you know what else bothers me about this team? Is that so many of their mistakes are foreseeable mistakes. Everyone always says, oh, hindsight 2020, blah, blah, blah. But so many of the mistakes that this Giants team has made since, you know, 2017 or whatever, 2018, you can tell, like any logical person can tell from the moment they happen that this has a very high probability of not working out. And look, I'm the idiot that wanted Josh Rosen. I get things wrong. I'm not the smartest guy, obviously. But hiring Dave Gettleman, an obvious failure from the start. The guy flamed out in Carolina. He was a complete D-bag. Like, come on. You draft a running back second overall off a 3-13 and season? That's an obvious mistake. It doesn't have to play out. Like, it doesn't have to play out. It's just an obvious mistake. You keep Eli for too long. He he was declining in 2016. They held on to him until 2019. Obvious mistake. I get it. Two-time Super Bowl champion. Okay, you know, be a little nice to the guy. I get it. But they held on to him too long. Let's tell how it is. You you draft Daniel Jones too high. Obvious mistake. I mean, sure, it worked out for one year last year. Okay, but still, probably not worth a six overall pick. Then you double down. You extend Jones which, to me, was an obvious mistake. I just would have franchised them or something. Like, I would not have given the big-ass four-year, four $160 million contract. It's an obvious mistake. And that's the problem with this team. They're their own worst enemy. Like, the amount of ca- draft capital they put into the offensive line, it still is not good. Um, the defensive line has a bunch of, you know, high assets. And, yes, Kayvon Thibodeau showed up tonight. Shout-out to him. Dexter Lawrence shows up more times than not um Leonard Williams I can deal without but he was what the fourth overall pick or sixth overall pick or something making a ton of money like he doesn't make that many game-changing plays Aziz showed up at one point tonight he got held and that was it I feel like he didn't do anything else maybe I'm wrong but you know they just invest so much high capital into these positions and we're not seeing any type of return which does point your attention to coaching and I know a lot of fans want Bobby Johnson fired, but, you know, if he doesn't get fired tomorrow, then the hell are you waiting for? I know he's friends with Dable, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, they're showing on the screen now. Jones is now 1-12 in, in primetime, a 0.77 win percentage. Oh, my God. Andy Dalton was 6-21. and And I saw Devon Witherspoon, the man who was the recipient of the pick six in the end zone, he made a comment about Jones saying we know he liked to stare down his first target so based on what the 49ers said about Jones last week and now Devon Witherspoon a rookie once again speaking out about Jones and his flaws and tendencies and what these defenses are picking up on how many opponents have to call this guy out like we don't see this very often do we like when a guy in back-to-back weeks by different teams is called out by the opponent like when does that happen is it that bad where you got to call out Jones multiple weeks in a row? It's just crazy. And I'm not blaming this whole loss on Jones. No, look, he played awful tonight. I can't, you know, can't not say that. Probably his worst game I've seen since the uh, the other primetime game, the Buccaneers game back in, I think, 21. Might have been 20, I forget. I think it was the game right before Garrett got fired or something. I don't know, I forget. But there was two Tampa games in primetime he was bad on, but whatever. Start with the offense. We'll start with the offense. So, didn't do much, obviously. They did not reach the red zone until 3 minutes and 40 seconds left in the third quarter, which is just terrible. And 
it kind of was reminiscent of the Dallas game because the first drive started out well. They got down to like near the red zone, which is what happened in the Dallas game in week one. And instead of going for the field goal, which, you know, you want to strike first, I feel like in a game like this, but maybe not. Like I didn't hate the decision to go for it, but they do. They tried the uh, the tush push, as they call it. The Eagles do it, and it's unstoppable. We tried to emulate that, and it did not work. It's funny because the Eagles do it so well, but I feel like other teams try to do it, and it doesn't work. So, like, I know the Eagles have a great line, and Jalen Hurts can probably squat 500 pounds. And that stuff definitely helps. But, like, why can't these other teams do it? So the Giants try and do it. doesn't work out. So turnover on downs, you get nothing out of that. And it felt like offensively everything from that point on – was pretty much garbage. You had JMS leave the game early. Ben Bredesen went to center. Shane Lemieux went to left guard. And what pissed me off about that first drive is like, there was that play where Daniel Jones runs out of bounds instead of just throwing the ball away. And it was technically a sack, which it shouldn't have been. He just got pushed out. But if you're Jones, like just toss the ball out, bro. Like you don't have to lose that yard. Like he did this same thing in the freaking Minnesota playoff game last year. Just throw the ball away. <laughs> even put it in your left hand and just throw it away. It's like simple. So that basically lost the Giants a yard, and then they were in fourth and one, which was the same yard they lost because Jones couldn't just toss the ball out of bounds, and then you shoot yourself in the foot once again. Um, there was the lost fumble. Jones got away from one defender, which was great. He tried to outrun another guy. I guess didn't feel the pressure. Got knocked away by Mario Edwards. I had no clue that man was still in the NFL. If you go back to the 2018 Giants, who we kind of touched on before, Mario Edwards was a former Giant at that point. They picked him up from the Raiders, I believe, but he was the guy who got the strip sack, I believe. So that was pretty interesting to find out. Um, even special teams. Special teams was awful. Um, Gary Brightwell had the personal foul. He did some other stupid shit later. Like, I don't know what this McGahee guy does on special teams. They just went over. He was, you know, he had cancer over the offseason, which is like, that's crappy to hear. But, like, why why is he still here? Like, what does he do? Like, why, the special teams is awful. Even DJ Dallas had a good return over the 50 in this game at one point. It was like a 30-yard return. So many dumb mistakes from the special teams. And they should have had another special teams penalty when I think it was Darnay Holmes pushed over DJ Dallas, like, well, well beyond the whistle. And nothing was called, luckily. But just so many just, you know shooting themselves in the foot type moments there. What else with the offense? I mean, this was a good play. Daniel Jones ruled out. I think it was a third and four, third and five. He made that nice throw to Matt Breda. Breda kind of stumbled, but he still made the catch. So that was a good play by him. Graham Gano bailed us out with a 55-yard field goal. That's what he does. And right before that field goal, there was the play where Jones threw it backwards to, um, what is his name? Not Calais Campbell, Mike. Come on, you got this one. Uh, Paris. Paris Campbell. There you go. My brain is not working. Paris Campbell. They threw it backwards to him. And it looked like he was about to pass it. But he didn't have time because Devon Witherspoon just like shot out of a cannon and made a good play for a loss. He, by the way, is a great player. I think the Seahawks took him, what, like fourth overall, fifth overall? He looks like an absolute stud. So great pick by them so far. Um, but that play was blown up. It led to the long field goal. They got it. Now, I'm trying to see what the situation was when the interception happened. The Giants had the ball well inside of Seattle's 10-yard line. I think it was like the 5-yard line. Like, they were just right there. Second and 5 on Seattle's 5. Okay. It was still a 14-3 game at that point. So, like, let's hypothetically say 
that Daniel Jones, instead of staring down the one receiver and Witherspoon gets the pick six, let's say Jones actually throws it to the right guy who was Darren Waller on the corner route who looked open. Yeah, might have been a bit of a tough throw, but like with the right type of touch, that's an easy touchdown. You know what I mean? So let's say Jones hits Waller. That's a 14-10 game. You're down by four. You're right in this thing. Or even 14-11, they may have went for two. I don't know. But you get what I mean? Like, you were right there. And to throw an interception there, like, I get it. It happens. I don't want to kill Daniel Jones too badly. I mean, shit, Kurt Warner did it in the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson had the interception on the one-yard line. I get it. If Jones was, like, a consistent, like, you know, 25, 30 touchdown per year type guy, I wouldn't get on get on him that much for that stuff. But this offense is embarrassing. And truthfully, Jones doesn't have the track record where I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Like, I hate those comments of like, oh, why why, uh, why doesn't Joe Burrow get the same treatment as Daniel Jones? Bro, Joe Burrow has had back-to-back like 35 touchdown seasons. He's 5-2 and two in the playoffs and took his team to the freaking Super Bowl with like the worst offensive line or one of the bottom three. Like, come on. Like, we're not comparing these guys. Not the same. So that stuff's always annoying too. But that's my point. If you made that throw... Would have been a four-point game or a three-point game instead of 21-3. So instead of 14-10 or 14-11, it's 21-3. That's the game right there. As Devon Witherspoon is running to the end zone, he you know jukes out Jones. I see no flags on the screen. I'm just like, that's it. It's, you know it's over. The offense ain't doing nothing. You know it's over. So <sighs> Second-half offense, what happened here? Um, Jones was sacked twice on the first drive out of the uh, – out of halftime that those were both on the offensive line i wrote that down as well definitely on the offensive line i can't even say anything else about that like the offensive line had their horrible moments in this game but i do think of what was it 10 sacks or 11 sacks i feel like half of them were avoidable but still even if it's five sacks or six sacks still unacceptable josh izuda at left tackle had a rough rough second half you probably could have got a guy out the, the stands and played a better left tackle like he was that bad towards the fourth quarter um, DJ Dallas had that kick return once again. I mentioned they did not reach the red zone until 3:40 in the third quarter. They did convert the fourth and one rollout with Daniel Jones. He picked it up, and then of course the pick six happened right after that. But Seattle had eight sacks by the time there was 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So just horrible. And then when Jones had the less interception to Quandre Diggs. I can try and be a nice guy here, you know, be be actual Mike too nice here and put the video in, uh, you know, put the clip in this video. But on the last interception Jones threw to Quandre Diggs, yes, there was pressure. But what Jones didn't do on that play was throw with anticipation, which is a thing that irks me till this day about this man's game, right? I get the offensive line stinks. I will say it again and again. You know, I'm not totally blaming Jones, but you have to throw with anticipation in this league. CJ Stroud does it in his fourth start. You know what I mean? Like this guy's in year five and he can't throw with anticipation. Now, Bobby Wagner was dropping him back in coverage a bit, but you lay out a good ball with anticipation to, I think it was Wandale going over the middle right between the zone. Like that's a 15 yard pickup right there, but Jones has to wait until he sees it open. That's the problem with Jones. He has to wait until he sees the guy open. He can't, like, anticipate the guy being open. He has to see it first. So he waits too long. I think his arm got hit. Knocked in the air to Quandre Diggs for an interception. Like, those type of things. That small little thing that took, you know, half a second extra right there is the difference between a 15-yard pickup for you or an interception that once again changes the entire game. If things happen fast, 
like two and a half seconds is a decent pocket in this league. Like people want a four or five second pocket every time. I get it. But on that particular play, there was a pocket. You have to anticipate that throw. Now, it's a very minuscule thing compared to this entire game. If he picks up that one first down, like nothing changes. They still lose. They might have scored an extra, you know, three points or seven points. But still, those things add up. And that happens in Jones's game all the time. If Jones hits Waller and anticipates that being open instead of looking at Wandale the entire time, I think it was Wandale, on the interception in the end zone, that changes the game too. Like, there's a lot of things. Like, I understand the line sucks, but like our quarterback has to do more. And even, like, there's times where there were corner blitzes and guys coming right at him and he didn't see it. Like, he just doesn't read defenses at the line. Has no idea where the blitz is coming from. They're showing this play now, the interception on TV. I'm trying to think, was it to Wandale? They're showing Waller going in the corner. Okay. But uh, what happened? Yeah, so it was Paris Campbell maybe was the target. No, I can't even see. They're snowing this thing down too much. But it's just a frustrating play overall. Let's see. I'm going to show it here. It was, who was that too? I don't even know who that was too. I don't know. But yeah, he should have thrown to Waller, obviously. But yeah, that's pretty much it for the offense. Um, they had 248 total yards, 136 passing. The 136 must be taken off from sacks and stuff like that. Um, rushing yards was 112. That's not too bad. They had some efficient runs from Matt Breda. Actually, no, wait, wait, wait. Did I not watch this game the right way? Matt Breda was 14 for 30 on the ground. That don't seem right. I really thought Matt Breda had a much better game than that. I guess not. 14 carries for 30 yards. That's complete crap. Jones was 10 for 66, so that's good. But um, leading receiver, Matt Breda, <laughs> 5 for 48. Wandale was 5 for 40. Now, this pissed me off too, right? So I'm a guy who I needed five points from Darren Waller in fantasy tonight, and he just got it. Like, I beat my opponent by literally .12, which is like, <laughs> like less than two yards, so... You know, shout out to the fantasy team for that and shout out to garbage time Daniel Jones. But like for the Giants, how do you not target um Darren Waller more? Like he's your guy. He he's your guy. He's your leading not leading receiver. Well, he was the leading receiver coming into this game on the season. But this is the guy you traded the third round pick for. He's like the prized um, you know, trade guy, not free agent, but the the prized uh, off season acquisition, I meant to say. And you give this guy one target through three quarters in a game where you are trailing the entire time? Like, how does that make sense? I know teams are paying attention to him because there's nobody else they have to pay attention to. Like, I like Wandale. I said that in the preview. Like, I wanted Wandale to play more. He did. He showed out for the most part. He was good. But how do you give that guy one target through three quarters in a game where you're losing the entire time? That just doesn't make sense to me. Some, some players are that good where you have to force targets their way. I know that in the San Francisco game last time they played, which felt like a month ago, but, you know, a week and a half ago, Waller and Jones were not on the same page for the most part, but, like, you have to fix that. Like, you have to give that man targets. It's not like Seattle's defense is this tremendous group. Like, yeah, they have good players. Bobby Wagner still plays well. Witherspoon, who we saw tonight. Um, Tariq Woolen dropped an interception. He almost had one as well before halftime. They have great defenders on this team, but, like, it's not like the whole defense is amazing. I mean, like, there were definitely opportunities there to get Darren Waller more involved. I understood it versus San Francisco because they have Fred Warner who can cover anybody. But, like, you know, this defense in Seattle is not, like, the best in the league. You can definitely force some targets Waller's way. But he finished with three catches for 21 yards. They all happened in the fourth quarter, I believe. Or, no, maybe one of them was in the third quarter. Actually, one of them was, like, right before halftime. But, yeah, still, like, 
just barely got him involved. It's frustrating. But um, offensive line, I talked about it. It just, I feel like garbage time made it look worse than it really was. Like, yeah, the offensive line sucked the entire game for the month. No, 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 let me, let me catch myself, actually. I feel like the first quarter, the offensive line was actually really good. The first couple drives, Jones was holding on to the ball, and maybe nobody was open. I couldn't see, of course, from the broadcast view. But, like, the offensive line gave him time the first quarter. And I feel like as the game went on, the offensive line got worse and worse. But, like, the first half, it was fine. I don't think the offensive line was a big issue in the first half, but the second half is when things got scary. Like, he must have been sacked, like, seven or eight times in the second half. So that was pretty rough. But I want to see, what were the team stats for sacks? I do want to see how many they ended up with because it was a pretty crazy amount. They had 11, 11 sacks. You don't see that very often, but, wow, that's pretty crazy. But, yeah, offense stinks. You need Saquon back, but as I've said before, when we drafted Saquon, if you're relying on a running back to save your offense, that's a flawed offense. This is not... 1980, 1970, if you are relying on a running back in today's NFL, you are a flawed offense. End of story. So, obviously the Giants are better with Saquon, but if you look this bad without him, and this incompetent without him, that says a lot about your team, right? I mean, they haven't had Saquon the last two games, and they did nothing in San Francisco. They got the one touchdown from Breda off the pass interference to Waller in that game, and then today they didn't score a touchdown. So how does one running back like make that much of a difference? I, I don't I don't get it. I get Barkley's great, but once again, you can't rely on a running back to carry your entire offense. That's not how it works. All right, on to the defense. More positive side of the ball in this game. I feel like the defense wasn't that bad. Were they phenomenal? No. But they they weren't that bad either, you know? One of the touchdowns was the pick six. The other touchdown was when they took over inside of the Giants' 10-yard line off the fumble. So, like, you can take away two touchdowns right there, basically. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the defense was not bad at all. Seattle's third down efficiency was 3-for-12. They were 0-for-2 on a fourth down. Like, just looking at those numbers, like, they they showed up when it mattered. So, they got the fourth down stop. I mentioned the McFadden play um, in the start of the video. Made a great play knocking that pass away. Yeah, Geno probably should have led him to the sideline more. It wasn't the best throw, but a good play by McFadden. And this almost had a disastrous start after the uh, the play where Ken Walker, I think it was the first play of the game for Seattle's offense, he rolled over um, on top of Okereke, and it was so awkward. Like, the whistle wasn't blown. Walker was 20 yards down the field and starts walking back towards the line of scrimmage, and People were telling him to run, so he runs to the end zone, and it counted as a touchdown, but they had to review it, of course, and, you know, take it back. So, luckily, you know, it didn't count. Could have been a way worse start than it actually was. On the first drive, Kayvon got, got the uh, third down sack. It was a three and out, so a great first drive by the defense. There was the second possession where it was, like, the sloppiest football I've seen. Like, the Seahawks took four straight penalties in a row. Like, it, it was crazy. There were, like, two holds. There was the DK Metcalf hole after Lockett had the nice play, and there was a false start as well. Like, just four penalties in a row. And it looked like DK Metcalf converted a third and nine. You're like, oh, my God, again with these third and nines, these third and longs. But Metcalf stepped out of bounds before making that catch. So that was another 
uh, three and out for the Giants defense. The Giants once again had to switch punt returners. They put Adore Jackson in because I guess they didn't learn their lesson last year. But Eric Gray muffed the punt on the first time he got a chance. The Giants recovered, luckily, but Adoree Jackson was back there. I think he fair-catched every punt in his way tonight, which was probably a requirement, but still, you don't want to see him back there. It's kind of scary. The touchdown where Seattle scored off the Jones fumble was pretty crazy. Like, Geno rolled out to the right, and it looked like the play was over, and he just whips this pass right behind the ear, basically, of um, Deontay Banks, who actually wasn't that bad tonight. I feel like Banks kind of held his own in that matchup, but just right past the, the ear of uh, of Banks, and Metcalf makes this great catch out of nowhere. And it pissed me off, because I, I looked up the 2019 draft, and I just remembered that we took DeAndre Baker over Metcalf. I mean, Metcalf went, like, a whole round later, but, like, still, even A.J. Brown, like, there's so many good receivers there. Anyway, um, there was the play where Geno got hurt. Isaiah Simmons chased him down. It was a weird play. D.J. Davidson, like, batted the pass up. Geno caught his own pass. I don't know why quarterbacks do that. It rarely ever works. I mean, once in a while, it'll work. But Geno catches the pass, just runs parallel to the line of scrimmage, and just gets rolled up on by Isaiah Simmons. And Geno missed the rest of the second quarter, but he came back after halftime. Drew Locke came in. Um, I was a big fan of Drew Locke back in the 2019 draft. He wasn't, like, awful, but he, he actually made some decent plays in this game when he was in there. There was the... It was excruciating to watch because this was a third down and, like, third down and eight or something, third down and nine. And for some reason, Noah Fant, who's a very athletic tight end, is just standing there in the flat all alone. And Drew Locke just throws it over to him. You're thinking, all right, he picked up the first down, but he'll he'll get tackled right after the marker. This man somehow, you know, 6'5", 240, whatever he is, tiptoes tip down the right sideline, just breaks a tackle from Okereke, breaks a tackle from Adore Jackson, and was like this close to scoring a touchdown on a simple just toss to the flat. Like, how do you even allow that? Why is the tackling so bad on this team? I don't get it. It wasn't as bad tonight as San Francisco because that was tough to beat. But there was even a play with Ken Walker where Davidson almost had him wrapped up with an arm. And then I think Okereke missed a tackle. Like, Okereke had his moments tonight where he was good, but like also just missed some tackles and pretty, uh, pretty critical moments in this game. But yeah, that, that touchdown or near touchdown, which led to a touchdown by um by Noah Fan was just annoying. Like I don't know how you allow that. There's no reason why that should happen. Um Noah Fant's good, but he's not Debo Samuel. Here's a Geno Smith quote, by the way. Um Geno said it was a quote unquote dirty play. There's no place, no place in this sport for that. I don't respect that type of stuff. You don't need to take shots at guys running out of bounds on the sidelines. I mean, all right. I thought Gino might have overreacted a little bit, but whatever. It's not my ankle, so I can't really talk much about that. But yeah, I, I, I get it. He was pretty much out of bounds. I'm actually surprised the refs did not throw a flag on that. Like, if that was like Tom Brady or something, like, that's a flag. Like, I thought that was a late hit on Simmons. And like, those are scary injuries when guys' ankles get rolled up on. It's kind of the same way Rodgers got hurt. Not exactly the same, but like, even like Tony Pollard, I think, fractured his ankle last year on a similar type tackle. Like, those are scary. Even the Dak Prescott, speaking of the Cowboys, back in uh, 2020 with Logan Ryan, that led to the Dak Prescott season ending injury. Um, anyway, so that third down play to Noah Fant was annoying. Ken Walker had the touchdown next play. Then there was the flag when um, Leonard Williams was shoving somebody on the Seahawks. And. Right after that, Gary Brightwell had a stupid penalty for running into the kicker or running into the punter before halftime. And, 
you know, it didn't lead to anything, but like still just more mistakes they don't need. Second half, there was a third and one play. It's still a game at that point. I think it was 14-3. And they ran the play action on third and one to Tyler Lockett to the left side on the Dory Jackson. So they picked up 23 on that play, but then Geno Smith got a 15-yard penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. I think he was still chirping at the refs or the Giants bench or something. Um, after that, Jason Pinnock missed a tackle on Zach Charbonnet. He kind of overran it, and Charbonnet hit him with a nice juke move, and he picked up like an extra 10 yards or so. Dexter Lawrence forced an incompletion on third and five, so that was a good play by him. Jason Myers missed a field goal. And it was still 3-14. to 14. They were still in the game. And I, the last thing I wrote down was Kayvon got that sack late in the game. It might have been Geno's last passing attempt of the night. But um, two sacks on the night for Kayvon. He also came very close to a really nice pick six. Like there, It was the play right after Geno got rolled up on. So his ankle was hurt. They were trying to run a quick screen. And, and it was you know, a good job by Kayvon to possibly know what's coming. They ran a quick screen, and Kayvon, I think, just hit it with his hand, and he was so close to just getting it for a pick six, but unfortunately could not hang on. It was a tough play. Like, there, there's no reason that I should expect a player to make that play, but Kayvon came very close to having a very impressive pick six on that play. I'm trying to scroll on Twitter or X before I log off just to see if I'm missing stuff. Brian Dable does not plan on making any staff, personnel, or play calling changes. All right. So for some reason, McGahee and uh, and Bobby Johnson keep their jobs. I don't know why, but whatever. Um, he might know the season's over too. It's just crazy how how far the Giants have fallen. Like not just personnel wise, but coaching staff wise. Like the Giants arguably had the best coaching in the entire NFL last year, and now the Giants' coaching looks like it's a bottom five unit in the entire NFL. You know, like, it's it's crazy how far they fall. Like, Brian Dable won effing coach of the year last year. And now it's like they have no idea what they're even doing. So I, I just, I don't get how you go from that to this. Like, last year was great, and I think they, they definitely caught some teams off guard. It was an easier schedule. And you can tell this year, like, as I mentioned with the Witherspoon quote, that teams are really catching on to our offense this year. Like, the play-action rollouts by Jones are not working. There's always a guy in his face because these teams are not respecting the run because Saquon's out, and they know the Giants like to run that. And if you get a guy in Jones's face, it's pretty much over. Jones will occasionally hit a guy with a juke and go to his right and run for a first down, which I think he did on the one third-down play, or it might have been the fourth-down play, I forget. But um, that'll happen occasionally. But, yeah, I feel like teams are figuring out this offense, and that was kind of what I noticed in week one versus the Cowboys, where it felt like they knew what was coming for the most part, and the Giants have no other answers. That's that's kind of the sad part. They can't just drop back and pass because, A, they don't have the best receivers. B, the line is not a top 10 unit. They don't hold on, you know, they don't hold up that long in most cases. And C, you have a quarterback that does not anticipate throws or read defenses too well. So all those things in combination, like that's why you can't blame one person for what has gone wrong with the Giants this season. I am most pissed off about the direction this team is winning. Like I, it's not even like the, obviously the performances are annoying, but for me, it's the direction this team went in because when you pay the quarterback that much money, you get Waller, you, you, bring back Saquon like you're telling us the fans and even sign Okereke for a nice chunk of change I think it was four years 40 million or three years 30 I forget what it was but 10 mil a year you sign these guys to a nice chunk of change and it's like 
I'm expecting as a fan to go back to the playoffs. And I had the Giants as a seven seed this year, which looks stupid now because that ain't going to happen. But when you make those type of signings and give out that type of money, you're expecting to go back to the playoffs. You did it last year. Your roster got better. You know, you're thinking that, okay, Jones will get better in year two of the system. You're thinking, all right, the offensive line will hopefully get a little better. But none of that has happened. And the defense last year was like, good it was like holding teams under 20 points consistently the giants allowed over 20 points in like one game last year or i think it might have been 21 the one time a team scored a lot on them i'm trying to think what game this was but the giants defense held up last year they did um especially in the games they won like in every game the giants won the defense was holding teams under 20 consistently we're not seeing it that much even the freaking cardinals had 28 points against us and by the mid third quarter so I mean, Arizona looks all right. I mean, hell, they looked good against uh, even the Niners uh, this past Sunday or yesterday. But, you know, they beat Dallas as well. But at the time, we thought Arizona was trash. But I'm trying to think who they play. Oh, they played uh, They played San Francisco, too. I mean, that defense, their defense held up in the first, you know, quarter and a half of that game. But still, um, I feel like the offense is definitely more at fault. It's not really a hot take or anything. But as I said, just frustrating that they decided to go in this direction and this is the outcome like you 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 saw what happened last year and you thought you could do it again and clearly that was the wrong bet to make so and people say oh what, what's the alternatives what could you have done you had to bring back jones you had to bring back saquon you had to go all in like no you didn't have to do anything there there, there was no reason for the giants to force it yes there was pressure pressure they weren't forced there was pressure from the fan base and probably john mara and whoever else, like, there was pressure to bring back Jones and run this thing back again with an improved roster. But they didn't have to do anything. They could have signed my guy, Jacoby Brissett, for one year and $5 million and got similar results. At least so far, you know what I mean? Um, Taylor Heineke, he was out there. Marcus Mariota, he kind of sucks, but he was out there. Um... I love Baker Mayfield. I don't think his personality would have fit with John Mara. That would not have happened, but Baker Mayfield's off to a good start. So guys like that, like they were out there in free agency. You did not have to give Jones the bag this offseason. You didn't have to run it back. The Giants easily could have said, hey, last year was fun, but hey, we're still far away from competing. We should rebuild this thing the right way. And if I was running the team, that's what I would do. But unfortunately, as fans... We have to sit here and just hope that they're making the right calls. And I do trust this regime. I do. I did lose some trust after the Jones contract, not going to lie. But overall, I think Shane's not an idiot. Like, he knows what he's doing for the most part. Brian Dable, once again, coach of the year last year. The guy knows what he's doing. So it just sucks to see how far they've fallen off from last year. Like, it's just, you know, the season's over once again. It's it's early October. We wait all summer for this. All summer, and, and we get excited for it, and... They they kick us in the nuts by by losing forty nothing in week one, kick us in the nuts the first half of the uh, the Arizona game, kick us in the nuts last Thursday especially in the second half and then tonight another kick in the nuts so it's unfortunate I don't know where to go from here I really hope they do the right thing and actually try to rebuild because they can still salvage this they can trade off their veterans you can trade once again saquon you can even trade xavier mckinney if you don't think he's part of the future and i feel like a lot of giants fans are kind of not happy with him right now based on some of his comments and not playing that well you could trade mckinney you can trade a dory you can trade 
Saquon, I mean, there's a lot of guys, even like Darius Slayton or somebody. Like, there are guys you can move off of on this team and get younger and get more draft assets. And I'm not like the biggest college football guy, but from what people say who follow that sport, I mean, it's supposed to be a good draft class. So if I'm the Giants, I'm getting as many draft assets as possible and give up those type of guys to teams that want to compete. And I, you know, mentioned Leonard Williams before. He's in there. Um, Who else? I don't know. There's definitely some other guys out there that are worth something. So that's what I want to happen personally. We'll see if they can bounce back. Once again, I'll eat crow if they do. But I, I, you, I you see the opponents coming up. They're, they're probably not winning these games. They're not beating um, Buffalo and Miami back-to-back. They'll be lucky to take one of those, and I'd still be surprised if that happens. So we'll see what happens. But pretty embarrassing night. I don't even know what to say. I was pretty speechless after that pick six. I Like, my soul left my body. It's like, what do you even say at that point? Like, I don't know. You know, I, I didn't want to go off on the guy on Twitter. I didn't want to, like, you know, make a whole big thing about it. But basically, I was like, how do you still defend this guy anymore? Like, how, what do you say? And I'm sure, like, there's people that are going to blame the line no matter what. I get it. They lit up 11 sacks. But once again, it probably should have been, like, five or six which is still not good. I get that. But I don't know. A lot of people on Giants Twitter have completely turned. <laughs> they want a quarterback next year. And maybe we get that. Like maybe this team has such a high draft pick next year that like they have to go in that direction. Or at least it's it makes sense. It is right now supposed to be a really good quarterback class. So we're going to see what happens with that. But it's far away. I have no idea about draft stuff. All I know is Caleb Williams is very good, and I would love for him to be a giant, but it's probably not going to happen. And that's why I said I think Daniel Jones is is too good to tank with. Like, Daniel Jones is at least an average starting quarterback, so, like, to tank with him is pretty tough to do. So, probably not going to happen. But, hey, the Giants may be picking 8, 9, or 10 and can trade up or something, or, you know, sometimes good quarterbacks fall that far. So, we'll find out what happens. But disappointing night. Luckily, I took off work tomorrow, so this is not killing me too much. But, yeah, watching the game definitely was not fun. Anyway, leave in the comments how you feel. I'll talk to you guys probably tomorrow. I'm going to make a video overreacting to week number four. And, uh, of course, we'll have a game preview on Thursday or Friday, probably Friday, for the uh, – is it the Bills game or Miami? I think it's Miami next game, which is going to be a lot of fun. <sighs> anyway, talk to you guys next time.